Hey, so tonight we're going to continue our new sermon series, uh, I'm Broken. And so last week we talked about um, the broken state that we're in. And um, we read from, um, from the Old Testament prophets how that, that it says that, that the Messiah is going to take our heart of stone and give us a new heart of flesh. And he's going to put his spirit in us and, and write his law on our heart. And so we, we started this, this journey there. And we're going to spend the next few weeks still on this topic uh, of I am broken. And tonight, specifically, we're going to talk about the problem of pain, or maybe the solution to the problem of pain. Now, I have a picture of one of these little pain scale things. You guys ever seen something like this in the doctor's office, right? And they ask you to rate your, your pain on a scale of 1 to 10. And it's always a little bit awkward. It's like, I, I don't want to be a baby, so, you know, <clears throat> I want to be a tough guy. So I always, you know, go for a low number. Unless I'm, like, really dying, right? I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much pain tolerance you guys have or, like, what's the worst pain you've ever had. Uh, for me, the worst pain I ever had in my life, I had the kidney stones one time and would not recommend 10 out of 10. It's uh, really, really terrible. And it's really, really awkward and uncomfortable, you know. Um, <clears throat> so I was, it was probably, like, 1 or 2 in the morning. And, uh, like, you know, I tried to keep my, uh, my sobs and my, my moaning and pain to, like, a dull, dull roar at first not to wake my wife up. And then I was like, this is terrible. And, uh, like, I had to swallow my pride and had to say, hey, Joy, you, you got to get up. you got to take me to the ER. I can't, can't drive because uh, I, I can't stop vomiting long enough to do that. And I'm um, in a lot of pain. And I was like, oh, yeah, we can't leave our girls here. We should probably wake them up and take them to the ER also at 1.30 in the morning, which is, is great, um, you know. And so I'm dying, writhing in pain, worst pain in my entire life. You know, I get to the ER, and I'm trying to explain to him what's wrong. And I was like, it just hurts. Make it stop. Make it whatever. Just, just give me something. Do whatever. Knock me out. I don't care. Just, just make it stop because I was dying. And to be honest, you know, there, there was a little bit of shame. Like, oh, I feel really terrible because I'm acting this way. But, like, I was hurting so bad. Like, it didn't really matter. And I don't really remember a whole lot from that night. And I, I, I found out later that like, apparently my wife called a college student to co- come pick up our girls from the ER and take them home because they still had to go to school the next day. And I remember, like, being, you know, like, I got, like, lots of Demerol and, like, lo- no- lots of nausea meds. And I just kept telling them, like, it still hurts. Bring me more stuff. Um, and I don't really remember much from that night because I blocked everything out except for how much it hurt. And all I cared about was, like, just please make it stop. Whatever you have to do, it has to stop. And then I remember, like, waking up at, like, 2 o'clock the next afternoon. Um, you know, I completely blocked out that weird walk of shame where the college student was keeping my kids was, was leaving my house and I was walking in in my pajamas with my little urine strainer in my hand, you know. It's, it's probably better that I block that out, right? That's, that's probably a little bit of emotional pain that it's probably better the Lord spared me from. But, but, but maybe, I hope, I hope you never have kidney stones and maybe, maybe you'll never experience anything that painful in your life or, or maybe you already have. But I think pain does something to us where when, when we're in pain, all we can fo- focus on is the pain, and, and we just want it to stop no matter what. And it's really not even, like, the excruciating pain. Like, I'm, I'm a big baby no matter what happens, like any sickness. Um, like, it could be something as simple as a headache. And maybe it's not a terrible headache. It's not a debilitating headache. It's not a migraine. But it's enough of a headache that you can't focus on whatever it is you need to be doing right now. Like, today I had a killer headache when I was trying to, to write my sermon for tonight. And I was like, Jesus, I can't concentrate because my head hurts. And it was, it was such a little thing. But it stole my focus. It stole, it's, it kept me from doing and focusing on the things that I needed to focus on. And pain has a way of doing that to us. 
Pain has a way of distracting us from, from what we need to be thinking about to make us think that we just want it to stop, just want it to go away. And all we can think about is the problem that we're, we're dealing with. Now, listen, I've talked about like debilitating pain, headaches, and mild pains. I haven't even like started to talk about emotional pain, right? We don't even want to go there tonight, right? That's, that's like, it's, okay, <clears throat> we'll wait on that. But, but regardless of um, how we would rate our pain, maybe, maybe you're a tough guy and you rate your pain a zero. Maybe, maybe you say it's a 10. Listen, I, I can't look at someone else's pain and know how bad that hurts them. If you say it's a 10, I'm going to take your word for it. And I guess the good thing about physical pain is, like, it's a little bit easier to score. And, like, if my ankle hurts, right, I can tell the doctor, like, it's right there, the big red swollen spot. Like, that's where the problem is. If I have a broken finger, like, I can tell. I think there are other pains in our life that it's not always easy to tell on a scale of 1 to 10 how bad it hurts. And it's not always easy to put our finger on, on where it hurts and what happened and, and what's going on in our life. The problem of pain is actually uh, one of the most talked about problems in the Christian faith. It's probably one of the biggest challenges to the Christian faith. For, for thousands of years, theologians have debated how do we answer the problem of pain? Because the problem of pain, it is a problem for us. Because people will ultimately ask, how can there be such pain and hardship and suffering in the world if God is good? And how can a good God and pain coexist? It's a, it's a really heavy thing that we wrestle with. And, and as a pastor, I've, I've sat with lots of people and tried to walk through this question of why do I feel this way if God is good? Why does it hurt so much if God really is good? And why can't I think about anything but just making the pain go away. Why won't God just make it go away? He could snap his fingers and it would be gone. And this problem of pain is a very real problem that if you walk with Jesus for any length of time, you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have to wrestle with this problem of pain. Now, tonight, I would, I would love to give you a very grand apologetic um, on why I think we miss the real issue with the problem of pain. I would, I would love to explain, um, first and foremost, that, that pain is not a result of God's creation. Pain is, pain is not something that, that God created or caused to exist. And, and I'll, I'll spare the long theological treaty. I, I would just say this. I think that one of the biggest problems um, to, to the Calvinistic way of viewing uh, God is, is that it doesn't deal very well with the problem of pain when we talk about God's uh, preordaining of things to happen versus our free will. And so if you, if you are struggling with that question, I will say this to you and I, I, I don't want to dismiss your pain, and I don't want to dismiss that struggle, but I don't think that I could give a generic explanation that's going to satisfy you. Because the reality is, is when we're in pain, it's hard to hear the explanation of why pain is there. It is. It's a really hard thing to talk about. And, and to be honest, sometimes, like we, when something is wrong, like we want to know who to blame, right? We want to know who is responsible, who did this? And we want to point our finger at someone and we want to blame somebody. And sometimes, not all the time, that's not a very productive conversation for us to have because sometimes it feels like victim blaming when we find the solution because sometimes we are the source of our pain. And that's a hard thing for us to deal with sometimes. And so, so I would just say, if you're here and you're struggling with this theological, this philosophical construct of how is God good and pain exists, I would really love to sit down and have a conversation with you about what's going on in your life uh, rather than trying to answer here tonight. But what I, I do want to try to do tonight 
is I do want to offer you a solution to the problem of pain. And so I'm not dismissing the problem, but I want to offer you a solution to the problem of pain. Now tonight, we're going to look at, at Mark's gospel, chapter 6. And so if you have a Bible, you want to turn there. We're going to, we're going to go to Mark chapter 6 here in just a little bit. Not yet. Um, but Mark chapter 6 is going to be our, our main text. And we're going to look at what I think is going to be a pretty familiar story for you guys. But before we get into the text and before we look at the solution to the problem of pain, um, I get to do this thing that I really enjoy. I get to kind of give you guys some background and kind of fill you in on what's happening here, okay? So for those of you who don't know a whole lot about Mark's gospel, there are some really important things about Mark's gospel we need to understand. So Mark, when he's writing his gospel, he has a singular focus. There is one thing that he is trying to prove to us, that he's trying to focus on, that he wants us to understand, and we'll put it on the screen, it's in the beginning and end of Mark 6. But in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, Mark makes this opening statement. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so here, Mark, in the beginning of his book, he's saying, this is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you the good news about Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of God. And then we see at the climax of Mark, in Mark chapter 15, verse 39 the climax of Mark's story is Jesus dying on the cross. Mark actually doesn't talk much about the resurrection. He doesn't give us anything post-resurrection. He actually ends his gospel at the women finding the empty tomb, and Mark just like leaves us hanging. But So the climax of Mark's gospel is Jesus on the cross. And, and the very next verse, after Jesus breathes his last breath, in Mark chapter 15, verse 39, Mark gives us this clue into what he's saying. He says, And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. And so we have Mark, who's trying to get across this one singular point, that Jesus, the man from Nazareth, was in fact the promised Christ, the promised Messiah, the Son of God. And so when we read the book of Mark, we have to read with this in mind, that this is what Mark is trying to tell us. Through all of the stories, through all of the miracles, through all of the parables, he's trying to communicate to us that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, what you'll see here tonight as we look at the scripture is that there are a lot of people that in their mind had identified Jesus as Messiah, but their hearts were still hardened against that reality. And I think that's where some of us are, and I think I think sometimes the reality of our pain has hardened our hearts against accepting in our hearts that Jesus really is the Messiah and what that means for us. And we'll, we'll see in a little bit what that means. So in Mark chapter 6, so I told you, Mark chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 45. We're going to read through verse 52. So this is taking place immediately after Jesus had fed the 5,000. So hopefully some of you guys have heard about Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fishes very familiar story, right? So in, in verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on a mountain to pray. And when the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night, which is about 3 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by, 
But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly, utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Now, I really like stories about the disciples um, because when we read stories about the disciples, like we get to see their flawed nature. We get to see that they are not perfect people. I know sometimes we think about Jesus' disciples or we think about apostles and we, we think, oh, they're, they're so much better than I am. But in stories like this, we really see the human side of Jesus' disciples. So I want you to think with me just for a second about what these men have, have seen with Jesus. Okay, so these men have been walking with Jesus for a little over a year at this point, right? So they've seen water turn to wine, right? They saw that. Right? They've seen Jesus heal crippled legs and tell people to get up and walk. They've seen Jesus heal blinded eyes. They've seen Jesus raise the dead. They saw the woman with the issue of blood touch the, the kanaf, the hem of his garment, and be healed. They've seen all of these things. In fact, Jesus even sent them out and gave them authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And so not only have they seen Jesus do these things, they've actually participated in these supernatural miracles of Jesus. And, right, and they just saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with a little boy's sack lunch, right? Get this. And they had loaded the leftovers, the 12 baskets of leftover food. They loaded them in the boat. So literally, the evidence of Jesus' last miracle is sitting in the boat with them. Sitting in the boat. There's the baskets of fish and, and loaves just there, right? But what are they doing? They're afraid and they're struggling. It says... They were making headway painfully. Scripture on the screen. There we go. In verse 47, there it is, right? It says, And when the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And Jesus saw them, right? How do you see them? Supernaturally, right? He saw across the sea there in the middle, their middle of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. So what happened? Like they've seen every miracle there is to see up to this point in Jesus' life. They're walking with Jesus in person. In their mind, cognitively, they understand that this man is the promised Messiah that's going to save us from all the curse of sin, of all the problems in life. They understand this, and yet here they are struggling and afraid on the sea. Now you can imagine, right? Um, Matthew and Luke's gospel tell us that they were, pat, they were paddling, they were rowing with oars. So the wind is against them. So how do you move if your sail won't work? You paddle. It says that they, they left right before evening. So before dark, right? Before it got dark, they started out. And now it's 3 a.m. and they're still paddling, stuck in the middle of the water. Can you imagine if you paddled for eight hours straight and you still weren't even halfway? How exhausted, how frustrated, your back's hurting, your arms are hurting, you're frustrated. Why in the world did Jesus send us to the other side of the lake? Because he knew this was going to happen. Why did he do this? 
So what does it say that Jesus does? What does Jesus do? It says that he sees them and he starts walking to them. Now, in, in verse uh, 47, it says that he meant to pass them by. Get this. Jesus was not coming to their rescue. Like, I think we miss that sometimes. We think, oh yeah, Jesus, he saw that they were struggling, right? And so he just walked out there on the water to just check in on them, make sure they were okay and help them out. No, it says that he did not intend to stop. He meant to go past them. Now, why in the world would Jesus see them making progress painfully, see their frustration, see their fear, and decide to walk on by? That does not make sense. I think sometimes we feel that way. It's okay. Sometimes we're in the middle of our frustration, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our hardship, and it seems like Jesus is just walking by. Here's the thing. In, in, in this Jewish world they live in, we actually see this in, in Job chapter 9. You can go look at it if you want. But there's this idea that when we talk about the greatness of God, the things that only God can do, one of the things that only God can do is tread on the waves. And so what Jesus meant to do is Jesus meant to walk by them and demonstrate who he was. Listen, they'd seen every miracle there was. The, the fishes and loaves, they're in the boat with them. The evidence of the last miracle that showed the proof of Jesus' messiahship is in the boat. And they still don't get it. And so Jesus says, I, I'm going to walk by and I'm going to demonstrate to them the power and who I am. The fact that, that nothing in the world, none of the brokenness, none of the hardship, none of the things that you deal with, they, they don't apply to the kingdom. They don't apply to what Jesus is bringing. So Jesus meant to pass them by. Jesus meant to pass them by. Mark is trying to tell us an important point. And I know sometimes we get focused on the pain we feel right now, right? When I was sitting in the ER, crying like a baby, puking my guts up, I didn't care about anything but making the pain stop. That's all I cared about. But Mark is showing us that Jesus is showing us something bigger. Mark is showing us that Jesus is the one who came to take the pain away. You see, we go back to the garden. God created a good world. It was good. And we broke it by our disobedience, and we invited pain and sickness and suffering and hardship into the world. The thorns exist because of our disobedience. And it's not that Jesus wasn't compassionate. We see when, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, it says that he saw them, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. He saw that they were hungry, so he, he fed them. It's not that Jesus isn't compassionate, but what Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see is it's not about fixing their immediate need, but about declaring the kingdom of heaven has come and all pain and all sickness and all suffering will be banished because the Messiah, the Christ, has come. And there was this bigger picture that disciples could not see at this moment because they were so frustrated about how hard it had been to get across the sea. And when they saw Jesus, they missed it. 
they missed that Jesus was walking on the water. And instead of being in awe, instead of fall downing and worshiping, instead of rejoicing because the King of Kings, the creator of the universe had come to banish death, hell, and sickness. They focused on their pain. In verses 51 and 52, listen, Jesus, he didn't walk by, by. This is what he says in 51. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. Like at what point do you stop being surprised that Jesus does another miracle? Because the baskets, the, the, they're in the boat with you guys. Like I still can't get over that. The baskets are in the boats. They were astonished that Jesus helped them. For they did not understand about the loaves. They didn't get it. They did not understand. They missed the gospel, even though Jesus was present with them. Why? Because their, their hearts had been hardened. By what? By the hardship they had been enduring. Their hearts had been hardened by the pain. Because when we feel pain, when we feel frustration, when we feel that desperation, all we can focus on is the problem of pain. I'm not trying to belittle the pain that anyone's experienced. I don't know your story. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know. Listen, I could, I, could, I could trade stories with you and tell you about the terrible things that have happened in my life. That's not going to make you feel any better. I could tell you that I watched one of my friends drop dead in front of me when I was in high school. I could, I could tell you the fear that comes over you when you find out your grandparents have cancer. I can, I can tell you the pain that you feel when your, your child is sick and there's nothing you can do. I can, I can tell you about things that I've experienced, but those are not your experiences. And so I, I cannot say that I know your pain. I can't put it on a rating scale for you and say that's a five or that's a 10. I can't tell you if it, how temporary or how persistent it is. I can't tell you the effect that it's had on you, but here's what I can tell you. That while the problem of pain is a real thing that we have to wrestle with, and I don't want to dismiss it, Jesus is the solution to the problem of pain. The Christ, the Messiah, came to take away the pain in the world. Because pain and suffering are a result of our fallen nature. It's a result of sin, and Jesus came to take away a sin, the sin of the world. And when he takes away the sin of the world, he takes away the pain that goes with us. Now you say, well, I don't feel that way right now. And this is the problem. This is the test of our faith. Do we really believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Messiah? I know that most of you, you probably believe in your head that Jesus is a real person, right? Okay, I mean, historically, Jesus is a real person. He really did miracles. Those are documented historical facts, right? But do you believe he was the Messiah, the Son of God? And if you believe it in your mind, just because you know it in your mind doesn't mean that it's real in your heart because some of us, our hearts have been so hardened by the pain we've endured, the hardship and the suffering and the frustration we've gone through. And while we know cognitively our hearts have been hardened against the fact that Jesus is the solution to the problem of pain. Jesus came into the world to rid the world of all pain, to make it like the fall never happened. 
to undo everything, to make the sad stories become untrue. If I get Jordan to come up, you hear Jordan? Yep, all right. As Jordan comes up, I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 61. This is the passage in Isaiah about the Messiah that would come. This is the passage that Jesus reads when he first enters the synagogue and the scroll is handed to him and he reads this passage and he tells them that it's fulfilled. In Isaiah 61 verse 1, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the Son of God has come to take away the pain and the sin of the world. That's good news. But for some of us, it doesn't feel like good news. Because we've become hardened and jaded and frustrated by the pain we feel. And we're not really sure if God's good anymore. Listen, I think some of us, we think that God is good, but we don't think we're going to enjoy his plans for our life. Some of us, we don't want to ask God what we should do because we're afraid that the thing that God wants us to do is not going to be good. We miss, we focus so much on what's here and we miss the grandeur of the reality that the Son of God put on human flesh and came and suffered and died like we will. But there's something bigger. He's taking away the pain. And listen, I don't know how much of the new creation we'll experience in this life. I don't know. The kingdom of heaven is is now, but not yet. And we live in that tension called faith. And that is difficult, and I get that, that it's hard. Go ahead, Jordan, whenever you're ready, man. I'm not promising tonight that if you say a prayer, that all the pain in your life will magically go away. can't promise you that. So I'm not telling you to make some false claim that in Jesus' name, I don't hurt anymore. In Jesus' name, I'm healed. I don't know, because maybe you won't be. But this is what I know. The gospel is not about a temporary fix. It's not that Jesus doesn't care about our temporal situation, but the gospel is not about a temporary fix. But it's about taking our heart of stone, our hardened heart. Listen, the worst thing about your pain isn't the way it makes you feel. It's that it robs you of every other relationship in your life. The worst thing about pain is not the thing that hurt you, but it's how you throw everything else away because you can't focus on anything else but that pain. Jesus has come to set us free from our pain. He's come to heal our broken hearts and to give us new hearts. Listen, we, we don't want to admit that, that we're not okay, Right? How you doing? Oh, I'm okay. That's good. It's good. I'm glad you're all okay. I'm glad none of you need Jesus to heal the pain in your hearts. If I can be honest, like I'm a broken person. And I still get mad when I think about things that happened 20 years ago. 
being honest. That's longer than most of you have been alive. But this is what I believe. That if we'll come before Jesus and we'll say, Jesus, I'm broken. But I believe that you are the Christ. You are the anointed one that God sent to bind up the brokenhearted and to take away the pain and sin on earth. And I want to be a part of that kingdom. Jesus, will you make my heart ready for your kingdom? Here's the thing. The Lord is preparing a kingdom for us. But he wants to get your heart ready. Will you let him? Will you let Jesus take and heal the pain? Listen, sometimes the work Jesus does is kind of like physical therapy. It doesn't feel good at the moment. But it's for our healing. So here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to pray, and and in just a minute, I'm going to invite you guys to respond. Listen, I don't care how you respond But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, please don't ignore that. Please don't take it for granted. If the king of the universe is speaking to you, don't ignore that. I don't care if you pray with a friend next to you and say, hey, will you pray for me? This is what I need prayer for. I don't care if you come and kneel up front and pray or your friends come and pray with you. I don't care if you come. You can ask me for prayer. We're going to have some folks over here in a minute. They're they're going to be willing to pray with you. Maybe you need to process and pray with someone. I I don't know, and I'm not going to tell you how to process your pain with Jesus. But what I'm here to tell you is that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, and he has come to take away the sin and the pain in the world. And I know your heart's hard, and I know it seems impossible. It's okay. Even the disciples missed it. They missed it. They did. But, But their loss is your gain. You get to learn from their mistake. And today, I believe the Lord Jesus is calling us to come to him and ask him, Jesus, will you heal my broken heart? Will you heal the pain that's made me jaded, that's cost me relationships, that's making me doubt my future, that's costing me my self-esteem, that's making me struggle with doubts and fears? If you guys will stand with me. I'm going to pray a prayer. Jordan's going to play and sing for us. And you guys are going to respond. Um, Santoria, if I could get you to come and stand like in this first row over here, like where the chairs are. Santoria is going to be over here on this side. I'm going to, I'm going to be over here as well. If, if you'd like prayer, um, we can pray for you. You can come pray by yourself. Ask your friend. I, I don't care how you respond. Just please respond. Lord Jesus, we are a broken people. Lord, you know our pain. Because in that darkest moment, in in that hospital room, in that conversation that hurt us, in that moment, you were there beside us. You are not a God who's far off, who doesn't understand our pain. But Lord, you came and you walked in our shoes. So Lord, tonight, would you come and heal our broken hearts? Would you help us take the gospel from our head and apply it to our hearts. That you are the God, the anointed one, who's come to bind up our broken hearts. In Jesus' name, come and do this work among us. Amen. You can respond. Thanks for listening to the Troy Chi Alpha podcast. For more information about the ministry of Troy Chi Alpha, you can look us up online at troychialpha.com. You can email us at troychialpha at gmail.com or find us on social media at Thanks for listening.